uh, I've got into the good habit of doing some exercise every morning. So as soon as I get up, I'm banging stuff out ASAP. And that immediately obviously gets you into a higher just state in terms of uh, alertness. Yep. Today, I didn't do it because I thought, yeah, I got a lot of all this DIY stuff to do. And now actually I feel as if I'm just like completely beat up. So, uh, so yeah, I need to get back to doing exercise regardless of whatever's coming. Yes. Keep doing it, you know what I mean? Yes. Anyway, um, welcome everybody. We're live at Spring Food Live on air, bringing it to you every Friday. It is episode 219. Um, we're doing this every week, folks. Incredible. We've been doing this 200 or so episodes. Um, today, we've got actually a topic that's very close to my heart because um, I've felt for a long time that this is a direction of travel that TA really should be moving into um, uh, instead of thinking overly much about, you know, uh, rowing away from other HR type of stuff. We need to kind of roll back towards it and expand scope. So today we're going to be talking about what should TA do if it wants to expand beyond just hiring external people? How do you become TA plus? We've got a load of people coming onto the stage that's going to help us talk about that because uh, they've actually gone and done it. Um, Okay, let's do some sound checks real quick just to make sure everything is okay on that side. Folks, if you're watching this on Crowdcast, let me know whether the audio and the uh, visual is okay for you on screen. Uh, we should be live streaming this in multiple places, including your LinkedIn, Adam. I believe you're very good at this now. So you, you get as many views on your LinkedIn as I get views on LinkedIn. So, um, so I think it's really working out. So uh, hello to all of Adam's friends on LinkedIn. Um, uh, and everyone who's watching on LinkedIn, do let us know whether the audio video is okay. Let me know in the comment thread uh, on there. Um, thank you, Gavin. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Caroline. All good. Um, okay, I think we're ready to, to roll forward. A quick word to our sponsors. Obviously, um, every week, folks, sponsors come on and support Bring Food Live. I cannot believe that they always do it. We haven't failed to have a sponsor for the last four years worth of Brain Food Lives. Uh, you look back, when was the last time a Brain Food Live was not sponsored? You're going to go back like into the, the, the double digits, you know, early tens and stuff like that. So it's been incredible the amount of support. Um, and today I'm pleased to say we've got a debut sponsor uh, that's helping us with this. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really interesting company coming out of Jersey, would you believe? Um, and it's a company called Pinpoint, Pinpoint uh, HR, which of course are an ATS, very modern ATS. Remember when we did the What Do Recruiters Want survey two years ago, 2021, Pinpoint were a highly regarded product, niche product at the time, but they were one of the two products that were voted that didn't get a single negative vote. Um, they had a unanimous 100%, we love this product wasn't a particularly large number at the time. We're running that survey again, of course. We're going to re-push re back on that after everyone goes back on some holiday. It'll be really interesting to see where those guys uh, are kind of end up. But anyway, if you're looking to upgrade your ATS, have a chat with Pinpoint. Um, well worth having a look at. Here it is. I'm going to share their link into the chat stream there. Make sure you check them out. Okay, we're welcoming Adam Gordon, who's wearing probably what looks like a new denim jacket. I mean, you're very... Did you go shopping this weekend or something, mate? Um, Holly, no. Holly, Holly told you to upgrade no. wardrobe or something? No, no, no. I've owned it for some time. Um, although um, I put it on earlier after I'd been at the gym and then remembered why I hadn't worn it for so long because the buttons kept just popping open. So I had to go and get a T-shirt on or else I'd have got a ribbing for my appearance like I normally do. This is, this is the, weekly, the weekly assessment of my appearance from Hung. Um, or if Ivan's here, then him as well in the chat. Do you know what I mean? I think it's only, I mean, as you get older, the, it's the buttons that kind of make the difference, don't it? Because I'm starting to, there's, there's almost all of my shirts I can't wear anymore because basically it's all straining. You can see it's straining, the, the belly's just straining to burst out. Um, so no bueno, mate, no bueno. Um, anyway, um, uh, let's get on with it. Let's have a, a quick look at last week's uh, newsletter. Adam, did you read it? And if so, uh, what was interesting, man? I did. And I should probably immediately go to the one um, which is going to clarify that I'm not a massive creep. Uh, so uh, I posted in the chat here, anyone, anyone here use LinkedIn for dating? And I'm getting some common co comments in response. That's because one of the uh, pieces of brain food I want to talk about is from Candylicious. 
who has uh, I don't know what Candelicious's real name is, but she's she sounds English. Uh, I think she's based in Singapore, and she's did a TikTok all about yeah. Uh, LinkedIn's great for dating. Here's why I can find people based on their like education. So like MBAs, for example. She's then said I can I can look for people who are like she said lawyers, doctors, and finance bros. Um, and then she said, uh, but unfortunately, there's no filter for height. However, I can. Um, uh, she said someone like. I can get some good-looking photos which help me detect someone's height. And I'm thinking, if she's doing some reverse image search on Google and then finding their Insta or something like that and then seeing you know, how tall they are compared to standing next to Nelson's column or something like that, then I guess maybe, yes. But I'm not sure height is one that you really can measure from a photo unless there's a, there's a scale in there. Um, anyway, that's why I asked if anybody's used LinkedIn as a dating app. You can measure it if you're holding uh, an iPhone sometimes and doing a selfie against the mirror because you can obviously judge the size of the iPhone. Um, I mean, that makes me look tiny, doesn't it, if I do it like that? No, I but it's not, it's not full body, though. So in, in other words, yeah. if you're doing a full body okay. mirror selfie, you can do it that way. Anyway, folks, this is actually a very serious point. It's not a serious point. It's kind of a joke post. I do believe Candylicious was also joking. If you watch her TikTok, it was very facetious. Um, but she was saying, hey, I'm using LinkedIn because it's got great filters for the stuff I'm looking for. And, you know, she's looking for someone who's, you know, materially well-resourced, uh, well-educated, all those types of things that typically we do look for. You know, I think they're legitimate things to look for in a, uh, in a potential partner. Um, so is it wrong to use LinkedIn as a source for dating? We had a really interesting uh, conversation in the, in the newsletter on this, on the chat thread, and we came to discover that it may be okay to do, like, checking, like, afterwards, that you may, you may have met someone and you want to check them out and, I think that's okay. That was the sense. Um, and then we had some people said it was a bit creepy if you used it specifically to source for people. Um, and even more uh, sort of creepy if you used it as a messaging channel. So in other words, I don't know whether we're evolving kind of a how-to uh, in all of this, but this, there was a sense that, you know what, it's kind of okay um, to use it in a manner uh, but usually after you've found them before and you're kind of checking them out professionally, I guess, or doing some validation, um, uh, you know, of what they claim to to have. On Tinder, for instance, you get a lot of people start, uh, sitting, lying on top of a bonnet of a Ferrari, for instance. Um, uh, you know, is that person really driving that Ferrari? Or indeed, you know, have they BSed it in some other way? So, um, so yeah, what are your thoughts, folks? Can you use LinkedIn as a dating tool? If not, why not? Um, uh, let's have a chat on that. Okay, um, what else? Yeah, I mean, that was a good... Ed's asked a good... <laughs> great question in here, but is she also using LinkedIn Recruiter? I mean, who knows? <laughs> she might be on sales nav. She might find the filters are better on there. But I'll tell you what she's almost certainly not doing, and that is sourcing on recommendations. And if she was sourcing on uh, LinkedIn, re LinkedIn recommendations as the recommendation she'd find Mr. Hung Lee at the very top. That's right. Which man. would be pretty cool. Now, my comments are, this was a blog from uh, a guy on the uh, Bullion Strings uh, uh, blog. Mike Santoro. Mike, Mike Santoro's Santoro. Yep. Right. So my comment about this is, I agree. I think sourcing people based on LinkedIn recommendations, uh, LinkedIn, um, it's not recommendations, is it? It's... Um, like endorsements. endorsements. Yes. I think sourcing on endorsements is a great thing to do, but I wonder how much bias is going to end up creeping in there because I think people of our age, Hung, um, who started on LinkedIn 15 years ago or whatever, um, are going to have quite a lot of endorsements because that was a primary feature back then, but I don't think it is anymore. So you're probably going to surface a lot more people who are in their 40s and maybe 50s than people in their 20s and 30s. And I wonder if that's an issue. Yep, interesting on that. Um, so basically, Mike wrote uh, uh, an interesting blog on how to x-ray for endorsements. I think it's relevant. I mean, you could probably be quite narrow for this. Like, the certain people are going to be endorsed for quite narrow skill sets. I'm not talking about, like, team like uh, a team playing or any, any BS like that. But there could be some narrow things, you know, technical work 
that people are endorsed for, um, that, you know, you, you would presume that, yeah, the, the chances are this person doesn't, in fact, know something about that. But it's another wrinkle to try and find people. I thought it was quite an interesting, you know, snippet in case you wanted to you know, rethink about how to uh, uh, find candidates. Of course, the big lesson that Mike's trying to show everyone, indeed, everyone at Booty and Strings is showing everyone, is that every single online uh, uh, profile is just simply a load of text. And if it's textual, basically means a search engine can be can find it. So, or at least it can do uh, back in the uh, Boolean search days, whether it's going to change entirely when it goes to natural language, who knows? But right now you can still x-ray this and it can still work. Um, and by the way, when oh, Adam mentioned about recommendations, I have, I'm not the most recommended person on LinkedIn, but I am the most endorsed person on LinkedIn for LinkedIn endorsements. Um, I've got 99 endorsements for endorsements, folks. Um, so, uh, so make sure you, uh, if you endorse me for anything, just endorse me again for endorsements. Um, right. Give us one moment. Um, culture. Um, I want to talk about, uh, fake work in tech companies. Some of the descriptions of this phenomenon, was it in fast company? Um, or, or business insider kind of one of the two. Um, some of the descriptions of this concept of fake work, in, fake work, which it, it was primarily about tech companies, were things like um, a false sense of activity. Uh, that's what pe people are doing. Um, somebody talked about effort under the illusion of value, which, which I'm, I might also translate as effort aiming effort towards the illusion of value um and the one that i really love was the concept of resting investing which means doing absolutely nothing just waiting for your share options to turn into uh like money for you so uh that was a that was an article i i enjoyed has hung gone or have i gone is what i need to know Who's there? Who's not there? Oh, no. If you can... Hung has gone. Oh, not again. i got to host this on my own. Yeah, resting and vesting. Resting and, vest and vesting. What do you think? Resting, doing nothing. Vesting. Your, your, your share options are, are turning into hard cash for you. And we've had this before. Hungless, it's the Adam show, stuff like that. Sorry, I'm back. Um, yeah, for some reason, I switched to, I had a VPN on for some reason. Um, so I'm, I thought I'd switch it off and it just cut me off, and froze me down. Um, your, your VPN was on because you were checking out your own Google results from the USA. That was right. I was, I was zooming into different places. Actually, it's a good habit, folks. If you want to check out what's happening in terms of how the news is reported, go and VPN to a random place um, and then just load in the same sort of uh, uh, website and see what you get. You actually, you'd be surprised as to how the same story by the same publisher has a completely different twist to it. Um, uh, make sure you do it, folks. You've got to be digitally aware. Um, okay, um, let's uh, let's just get on, on that. Um, just on that, I am interested to know any sourcers here. I am interested to know if you if you are if you're sourcing, if you're just just take it up to the top. If you're searching Google, um, and you you put in your search your search query in English, or you put it in in French or in Spanish or another language. Are you getting different results according to the language that you're using to do the search? Because um, uh, we, we had some, when we were in France over summer, we had some discussion about this. We, we thought maybe we were getting different results by searching for things in French as opposed to searching for things in English. Anyway, sorry, slight tangent there. No, but worth, worth having a look at, folks. Let me know. Um, we've got lots of multilingual people on the, uh, the show here, so it'd be, it'd be interesting to know. My instinct tells me it, you, you would because the search isn't pure, and it hasn't been pure for a long time. Um, it's all trying to provide or push relevancy to you, and it's making guesses as to what's more relevant. So presumably, it's going to be able to track whether you are uh, searching in French and, and you know, would surface up more French language stuff. It would make sense. 
um, even though it means that you can't trust the search. I don't know whether anybody watched the Founders Focus this midweek. Was it yesterday? Uh, which I did with uh, Raj Mukherjee of, of Indeed. Um, and he was talking about the general journey of discovery has always been towards recommendation from raw search um, and, and taking the weight off the uh, the searcher to try and accurately you know discover the thing, um, but rather putting it onto the platform to understand the intent and then deliver uh, against your intent. Presumably, if you're typing in different uh, uh, languages from different locations, it's going to surface up different things. I think that's a that's a positive from an efficiency point of view, but obviously a negative because it means that we're not sharing the same digital universe. Um, and it means that we end up thinking we understand the same thing, but from very different perspectives, whilst being unaware that there is a different perspective. And that is a problem. Um, so I think we need to understand that as searchers, as sources, that's something that is well worth us uh, getting to grips with. Anyway, folks, let's get on with it. Adam, quickly on this topic about TA to TA+. Plus. Uh, this is one of my little pet ideas. It's to say, recruiters, you can't just keep thinking about external hiring. You have to expand scope and do other things beyond that because uh, the bottom line is the overall uh, uh, ratio of full-time employees into a company, I think, will shrink as companies become more keen to get flexible labor, more keen to reduce fixed costs more keen to have, if you like, labor on demand. Uh, therefore, if we stick purely to full-time employees, uh, the job and the function is going to shrink. That's no bueno. That's basically my thesis. Adam, what's your thesis before you bring on our guests and talk about it? I'm going to start with a cliche, which is around that like seat at the table. So the CEO isn't going to really care so much about hiring permanent employees, but the CEO and CFO and chief people officer very much care about the concept of what should our workforce look like in one year and three years and 10 years? So I think the concept of workforce planning is really vital in here. I think the concept of a total talent pool is really valid here. So that's the people working for you today, permanent, contract, freelance, the people who you might hire in the future, all of these different groups, the people who might want to work part-time, the people who might want to work from the beach or in your office. You've got to think about all those things. and. Here's the big addition that I want to put in here. Which jobs are going to get obliterated by artificial intelligence? The person responsible for all this needs to be working closely with the information uh, IS, information systems people in your company and the finance people in your company to be able to create models which can predict these jobs are not going to be needed as much in a year's time and in three years' time and in five years' time, they won't be needed at all. But these are jobs which are going to be emerging, which we will need. So we're going to need to work out, should we be moving these people in there? Is it a completely different skill set, et cetera, et cetera? So I think that the concept of automation and, and uh, jobs being taken away by, by um, artificial intelligence needs to be a big part of this. And TA people have got, Tech-savvy TA people have got the right skills to be able to take a lead in this, and that subject is one that the CEO cares about. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a very very smart way of looking at it. What is the art of what is the impact of AI into the the sort of work that your colleagues are going to be doing, and then figuring out where you need to pipeline in future and where actually you think you might you know end up having to close a, a function or a particular department or whatever it is. Because it's going to be um, either automated away or, or, you know, people are going to get more productive with the use of technology. Um, so, yeah, super, super interesting. We actually need to do a show on that. Like, how do we go through the audit process um, to figure out, you know, which jobs are uh, subject or exposed to uh, AI uh, disintermediation. We've seen some reports on how to do it. The Goldman Sachs have got one. Uh, McKinsey have done one. But what is their methodology? Has anyone come up with a methodology that we could share? It might be useful for us to do that. Anyway, let me know in the chat if you think that's useful for us to do a show on auditing the uh, future proofing uh, of the, the the skills in your business, um, so that we can kind of figure out you know which types of activities. Uh, going to stay uh, around with us. Okay, let's bring our guests on here. Um, we've, we're going to just bring them all on immediately. Um, actually, Crowdcast has shown me a way uh, to do this. Um, uh, how do I do this? Yes, Yasa is here. 
hands raised main stage oh, there's, a, there's a clever way of doing it you can raise your hands um so let's do yasa let's get him on christine i think that's you there's only one christine is that you okay let's get christine on there's yasa ahmad what magnificent hair you have yasa um, i did it just for you mate I, I tell you i tell you i'm i'm very impressed um and um Ebony is here as well. I think we'll bring Ebony on as well. Uh, sort of, there she is, Christine. Excellent. Hello, hello, thank and then we have Ebony as well. Amazing. <laughs> Everyone is here. Fantastic. Uh, folks, let's do some quick introductions. Um, uh, Yasa, is your first on screen. Can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Sure. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Yasa Ahmed. I am the Global Vice President of Talent Acquisition global mobility and rewards, so compensation, benefits, and equity for HelloFresh. Amazing. And by the way, Yasa has the longest job title on LinkedIn, by the way. Um, if you want to check that out, it actually has three clauses in it. It's got three ands yeah. in it. I mean, that's crazy, right? Um, all right. Um, Christine, good to see you again, as always. Uh, Christine, hey. uh, quickly, for the people who don't know you, who are you, what it is you do? Sure. Hi, I'm Christine Ong, the Head of Talent and People uh, at Quantum Motion. This time last year, my title was Head of Talent and Media, uh, which we can share a little bit more about later. Uh, but yeah, um, nice and short and sweet, unlike Yasa's. So, great to see you. And actually, Christine, people don't know, Christine, uh, conversation I had with Christine actually inspired this idea because I think I remember you and I having a chat about whether you know it's a good idea to expand or to narrow down and all the rest of it way back when. So uh, it's be exciting to get into it. Uh, Ebony, great to see you. Um, a little while since we last had a chat, but wonderful to see you. Uh, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Yes, absolutely. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Yes. So hi, everyone. Um, my name is Ebony James. I'm the Senior Director of Talent Acquisition, People Operations, Employer Branding, and payroll, which isn't on my LinkedIn, uh, but probably rivals. Do <laughs> rivals we have Yasser. a competitor for Yasa? I think yeah. we do. <laughs> yeah, good to be here. All right, I want to get into it straight away with the job titling because is that an example of expanding scope? Um, because it seems like an unnatural way to label a function, isn't it? Because more mature organizations, we've managed to truncate it down to say your director of or your senior this. But when you start putting ands on, is that like a very good signal that actually the company's thinking about changing the structure and there's an inheritance thing going on or something that's gone gone on to process? What are your thoughts, guys? I'll open it up to everyone. I mean, yeah, let's, about, let's start with you, Asa. Did you invent the, the, the thing or was it? How yeah, did that it, come to pass? It, it, so look, I'll be very honest. It just added to the existing title. So it was VP of Talent. And then it went, okay. VP of Talent and Global Mobility. Oh, by the way, you're also taking over rewards. Okay, so VP of Talent, Global Mobility and rewards. And I'm like, in fact, before this meeting, I was thinking, do I change my title to VP of People? And I thought, I can't do that because Abbas, who's my peer, he's got VP of People where he manages the HRBPs. And I thought, okay, well, VP of People Ops, that doesn't make sense because Scott's got mm -hmm. that title. So I'm just stuck with a very long title right now until I figure out another acronym. Very interesting. And Ebony, if I, Ebony and Christine, I think both of those things ha happened to you, didn't it? Like you had one clear function and then how come you inherited more stuff? Did people leave and then suddenly it was like no one else would do it? Or was it more strategic in the sense the company thought actually these things belong together? Yeah, it's, it's probably a bit of both, to be honest. I think um, there was an element of we can go external and hire for these roles or we can just upskill somebody meritocracy is a great thing um have somebody take a, a step up give them it's a bit of a leap of faith but um essentially it was do you want to there's an option to do it if not we'll hire externally and so I mean ultimately the at the end of the day it was sort of my decision but um you know some of the roles that I have the, the scope that I have like people operations for instance we'd hired a few people and for various reasons they didn't join and so it was just a you know the role had been open for a long time and so i was like you know what i'll step up and i'll i'll give it a go <laughs> and and do you know what i wonder whether you might just like end up doing a bit of the work without getting the title for a bit right so yeah. so let's say there's yeah, your ta is kind of adjacent yeah. to some of this 
and you end up having to do it because who else is going to do it? And then, you know, you can't hire it or for whatever reason doesn't happen. And then suddenly the title comes after the work almost. Christine, yeah. you're nodding your head in that. Is that how it happened with you? Yeah, for sure. And obviously my, that where I'm working is much smaller. So when I joined two years ago, we were 12, uh, 12 people. So I was brought in to do the hiring. And I think by default, exactly what you're saying, I was doing onboarding, I was doing contracts. Um, so by default, I think when the end of year reviews came along, it's like, do you want to take the people role? And actually I pushed back. I was like, to be honest, not really. <laughs> if I had to, I like up to me, I prefer to do more L&D and coaching and the more DNI focused. Um, and I actually said, can we bring in a specialist who you know can do more HR? focus stuff and um, they, the leadership actually came back to me and said well by nature you're already doing it now so you know why don't you just take over and then when the time comes we feel like we need to hire someone then we'll do it and we'll, we'll, we'll hire someone in place but I think the team thinks we're still small enough uh, we're about 38 now where I can handle the whole full cycle um, uh, and yeah I suppose when the time comes we'll, we'll end up hiring so we do a bit of everything admittedly not well <laughs> Uh, and I think I definitely scared the team when I show them the employee life cycle and how much work there is involved in the whole process. Uh, and my focus really being just on one side on the TA side and how much other bits we need to do and to do it really well, start measuring. We don't even measure anything yet. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's just, it just happened long story short. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? So it, it seems that it's less strategic. It's more emergent in the sense that yeah. whatever happens in the context of that business, there's a gap, someone's left, it's very hard to hire. Certainly in 2021, remember, rewind back 18 months, no one could hire anybody. So, so there was lots of, there was a, a long period of time, actually, six to nine months or so, where there was no people moving. And you can imagine a lot of people having to just absorb some of these responsibilities. And then, you know, obviously it could be, might then become the obvious option to uh, to absorb this. Um, okay, a quick, quick, go on, Adam. You I was going to say that, that's that's kind of normal in a startup and scale up type of business where somebody will have responsibility for a lot of different things, which then um, as the company continues to grow, they either bring people under them to do those things or they hand off those things to other people. Um, so in Christine's scenario, is quite, quite normal. Mm. Yasser's scenario, Yasser's scenario is not quite as normal, um, but I think that's probably more so because Yasser has um, identified areas. So there's been areas where no, there's been no leadership for them. So they've gone, actually, you're the best person for that because it connects mostly to just this concept of TA to TA plus. I think the A gets dropped when it becomes TA plus. Because it's not about acquisition. It, that, that's part of it. But I think I think the T remains, but the A yeah, yeah. comes under the T. Can I add uh, just it's like the holistic talent landscape, right? So it's uh, yeah. so for us, we're at twenty-five thousand employees. So my TA team before I had the rest of the team was about 150, and now collectively across the TA team rewards and mobility, we have about two hundred people. So when I was looking at it, I kind of said, well, where's the biggest contentious points for me? And it's usually compensation and mobility. And I thought, well, this is where the gaps are when you're trying to bring people on board. Like, how do you actually get them relocated majority of the time, excluding internal mobility, which is a different topic? Um, and then are we paying people the right amount of salaries? And, and so given that those were two very close areas to talent, I thought, well, if I take over those, it becomes a little easier. And it, I'm not a subject matter expert, so I don't actually manage the subject matter expertise, but I have leaders now, senior directors of talent, directors of reward, directors of mobility that manage the function. But because they're under one roof, suddenly overnight, the connection between everybody was like harmonious. They were talking to each other. There wasn't fights. There wasn't, oh, global mobility is doing this, or there's a delay in comp. It just instantaneously changed, which is super weird, but um, very grateful for it. It seems to me that's a really interesting observation, uh, sort of insight there, uh, Yasa, but th there's probably a very clear distinction between um, inheriting a function that may exist in some form. Um, and you're kind of the, uh, supplying the management overhead on on the, an existing function or a situation where it, the function doesn't exist and you've got to just still be hands-on. I think that's like Christine's experience, right? So, Christine, going to you on this, how did it feel when 
uh, so you were presented with this option. On the one hand, you can see it's like career progressive potentially. Say, so, hey, I'm getting more responsibility. But on the other hand, it feels like it seems like it's more work, right? More pressure coming at you. And if mm. you're just one person doing it, it's like, yeah, like how do you divide time? Because you're probably 100% maxed out on TA anyway. So where is the extra uh, when you when you're doing all the rest? How, how have you managed to do that? Yeah, and I think that realistically as well, you know, speaking to peers in my industry, people who are more senior than myself, um, and going back to leadership and actually just being really transparent about your weak spots, because I think the natural me thing to do is go, yeah, I'm going to do it. Like, you know, you challenge yourself. But the reality is, I don't know much about policies. I'm, you know, not up to date with what's happening with UK law and regulation. I usually just call someone up to help me with that. Um, so being very transparent where your blind spots are and covering the gaps. Um, so we actually hired like this HR consultancy that's I just literally call up if I need something with like disciplinary or anything like that. They write the letters for me and I just deliver it. Uh, so I'm like the face of, of what needs to happen. Um, but the answer to your question, I think it actually stemmed from 2020. Like you mentioned, um, I was put on furlough. So when I was working in pure TA at FT at the time, um, I think that's what made me really second guess my role. Like if in these kind of turbulent markets, we're not hiring and TA is always the first, you know, as you know, as we can see in the market to put on hold, then what's next for me? Um, and at that point, I didn't actually think, yeah, it's going to be a full people role. I just kind of thought, yeah, LND, DNI. Um, so when the opportunity does arise, I think, you know, you have to say yes and just try it, right? And you figure out what along the way, what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Yeah, very interesting. So job security issue, and I think this is clear. We're seeing it again, aren't we? Certainly in tech, lots of people on the market struggling to get back in, et cetera, et cetera. Would you be in a stronger position if you had more strings in your bow? I think the answer has got to be obviously yes. Um, you'd be more valuable as a, a to the business um, because they could repurpose you or refocus you in some other way, or you could even refocus yourself and drive it internally yourself in that way uh, also. So, um, so yeah, part of my kind of evangelism for TA Plus is exactly for, because of this, because I think if you stay narrow, it's going to be quite um, difficult if the um, the market, let's say, becomes a permanent correction to a different level, um, then we're not perhaps going to see the same degree of opportunity as we have done over the last, you know, five, 10 years or so. Um, so, uh, okay. In terms of how you handle it, though, basically understand what you're weak at and then try and backfill that with outsourced type services um, or indeed, uh, you know, get contract resource in or potentially even hire full time um, to, to drop in under you. Um, perfect. Um Ebony, let's let's get you involved in this. Um, I think uh, how was your, how how did your situation emerge? Were there, were there existing departments that you took over, or were they kind of new stuff that actually no one was doing? Mm, no, I think there were existing. It's a bit of both. I would say it's like 90-10 in terms of building new teams. So we didn't have a payroll team, for instance. Um, we had like a bunch of folks doing different payrolls using different vendors, and it was kind of merged into people operations. So one of my tasks was sort of just to build out a payroll team. Um, and actually, just to your previous point, you know, how do you do it? Hire good people, right? Um, <laughs> to do the work that basically if you're stepping up, there's going to be a bunch of things that you're not going to be able to do. Um, I think just making sure that uh, you have some really great people that can step up. So if you're consistently building um, future potential leaders, I think that saves a lot of time um, and a lot of effort and you can promote people. And that's really what it's all about. But back to your question. Yeah, I mean, there was one team, the payroll team that wasn't that didn't exist basically in September last year. Highly great head off and she's built a great team. Um, but the rest of it was kind of. It was kind of there were elements that were floating around, you know, sort of different people. We had consultants doing, you know, sort of different things in different verticals. And it was wasn't super cohesive. Um, and actually sort of just having someone who was on the ground from a permanent perspective, it kind of just makes sense, which is why we decided to open the roles up. We were hiring them. And um, I mentioned before that there's diff different scenarios didn't quite work out. And. You know, my CPO kind of said, what do you want to do next? Like, what's next for you? You've been doing TA for 18 years. What would you want to do? Um, and it's all around customer experience, which, you know, your customers could be external. They could be internal. Um, it's all around um, sort of building out great teams, process standardization, um, optimization, all of that stuff, which is very transferable from TA. And so I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't know everything. You know, we cover 
25 different regions from an employment law perspective and I will never know everything um, but this is where the great people come in again um, and the rest of it you kind of just as I say the skills are transferable absolutely from TA. One thing I just wanted to say there um, we've talked quite a lot about the concept of people from TA um, going on not in this show but in like over the last five years or whatever going from TA into more mainstream like becoming chief people officer in an organization I think that bridge is more clear than ever. And somebody with a background like Ebony's is a, is a very natural step to become the chief, the chief people, people officer. In fact, or Christine's or, or Yasser's, or, or, or three of our guests. Um, anybody got any comments about that? There's nothing really missing, is there? I think there are topics that obviously you should have a good understanding of, like the HRBP frameworks. So with HR, usually you can study for it, you go to university for it, or there are frameworks, CIPD, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So moving from TA to a, a role where you're managing HR frameworks can sometimes be daunting, even for me. There's areas where I'm like, I don't have a clue on this, but what I have 100% confidence on is my change management experience, or I know that Le I leadership. can take yeah. And, and so for me, it's about asking the right questions. I don't need to be an expert. Am I asking the right questions? Am I covering all ground? Am I doing my due diligence? Am I pushing? Are we being iterative? Or am I trying to do some sort of Prince 2 type project where everything has to be wham and bam perfect the first time? And, and I think that's where a lot of people will choose uh, quick and dirty over perfection. Uh, and, and so as long as you can provide that kind of agility, I think my customers and in, in my, my stakeholders are very keen on that. They were the ones who said, you should take over. It wasn't my leaders, uh, my HR leaders. It was my business leaders who were like, just give it to Yasser, he'll sort it out. And and that, for me, was a big confidence boost, but obviously a very daunting one, because as soon as I started looking at these frameworks and stuff, I was like, oh, this is quite a lot of information that I don't know. Your point about um, like HR frameworks and, and like the technical aspects of that, I totally agree with. But I don't think it's any more technical than reward. And I don't think that you had a technical reward background either when you started <laughs> taking that over. So it kind, kind of says that you would be able to do it. Um, and a lot of people, uh, like, t I also think TA is, is, is a very strategic element of, if you want to call it part of HR, a str very strategic element of HR. Whereas I'm going to say something really offensive here to a lot of HR people. A lot of HR is not. It's quite administrative and it's quite tactical. So that's the other reason why I think TA can go up and then come across and, you know, uh, lead that function potentially. Let's yeah. uh, let's do let's do a couple of things straight off. Um, firstly, uh, turf war. So you know, I'm TA. I've got an equivalent in Compton Bends or wherever it is. There usually is some somebody in that at a certain size and scale. Learning. And suddenly. There, there, there's a gap, you know, and you know, we're both going for it. How do we deal with it? Does that exist? If, if so, how do you deal with that scenario? What happens? How do you win? Let's, let's put it that way. If you want to be absolutely crude about it, you want this opportunity, the other person wants it. How do you actually make sure it's you? Um, and what happens when you have this person who knows their department, but you're now in charge of them in some way? Like, how does that, how, how does that play out? Any thoughts on this? I'll open it out to everyone. I lived this recently. So I have peers who have been in the industry for 25 years, who've done VP of people roles for 15 years. And so they they can they, they walk on water when it comes to these type of topics. And suddenly here's me taking on the topic. They're like, what the hell is going on here? And it came down to simple things, clear objectives that we wanted to achieve. And I was very clear about them. Um, Stakeholder buy-in was a massive part of it, like 60%, uh, and set up for success. I was already set up for success. I had strong leaders in my existing function where it gave me the bandwidth to then take on extra work like rewards and mobility, whereas my other peers didn't have their leaders in place. So it was kind of right time, right place for me, which allowed me to take on more as well. So I know it's not that, that means it's not 100% meritocracy. No, 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 hang on. This is a really important point. Um, basically, in order for you to be better as this upgraded role, you need to have the bandwidth 
do it. And the only way in which you're going to have the bandwidth to do it is if you've got an efficient process, a more efficient process in the team you're already running. Um, so in other words, that actually makes it is a meritocracy that you take that on because you've demonstrated you can create an efficient process and get the right team leaders and the, the right people in team in place so that you have the extra bandwidth to either learn a new domain or to take on that new role. Whereas other people might still be at like 100% maxed out and you know what, they can't absorb any anything further, even though they may say they want because they, they know it makes a, business, a career sense but it doesn't make sense for the scope of the business. So almost like look after your own department first, create, create some space in the diary for you to go upwards, then you've got a shot. So as, as a very quick visual uh, assistance here, if your diary is completely festooned with loads of events, it's totally blocked out, there's no white spaces in there, chances are you're not running efficiently. Um, and the chances are you're not going to be able to move up irrespective of whether you expand scope or not. Um, okay. What are your thoughts on, uh, uh, on that, Christine? Any, I mean, you might not have encountered yeah. Yeah, well, rivals. Not, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, not in my current company, but actually um, that really resonated with me because in my last role at the FT, we had very clear cut HR, content bands, learning and development. Um, and because my remit as TA was entire product and technology. So actually I was really lucky where the L&D teams invited me to their training sessions and I got to learn how they actually, you know, do their intervention training programs. Um, so that was really awesome. And I think for anyone out there who's maybe not a global ahead of just yet, and you are in a position where you're in a big company, there are other teams, definitely learn as much as possible. Um, I think sometimes if you're in pure TA, you also run the risk of like the push and pull of HR and TA. It's like TA bringing people in and then HR being like, oh, they're always so pushy. <laughs> and, you know, I've definitely lived that before. But the reality is, you know, it is a fine balance. Um, and I think exactly what Yas said earlier, it's, it's stakeholder management, it's bringing everyone board. And at heart, I think if candidate experience underpins everything that you do as TA, I think in, when it comes to an internal experience, it then transfers into like employee experience. So everything actually goes hand in hand anyway. Um, so I think that's that one thing I do want to share is if, if you are not in a bigger company, you have the opportunity to learn from others, learn as much as possible, because you never know when the time comes and you need to actually roll it out yourself, like performance appraisals. I've been on the other side, but I've now had to design it uh, this year and I've never done that before. But having been on the other side, a couple of cycles, I have a vague idea, um, but you know, you're consulting with teams. And I think that's where the consultative approach comes in. It's, you know, you're not designing it. You're just actually facilitating the whole thing. Yeah. And I think this is about sort of balancing the narrow focus because people need to have focus and, you know, deliver against your own objectives. Yeah. But you, again, it kind of leans back to being more efficient as well. You've got to create some ex excess capacity where you can observe new opportunities and embrace them rather than be scared of them because you're so busy. So, you know, being so maxed out that you can't absorb new experiences that's no good for anybody. Uh, Ebony, your thoughts on the, the politics side? I mean, again, we don't want to you know, get too heavily into, into this, but there is always going to be a, a few little, you know, if you're in a competitive scenario for the job, et cetera, uh, that is one of the management challenges that you have when you're moving on a business. So how, how did you handle that? I've never been in that position, luckily. <laughs> You, you killed them all before you got there. Like, well, I think just, you know, I've my always, enemies didn't make it. Exactly. No way. There's never been another person sort of, you know, going for the same role, so to speak. Um, and maybe I've been lucky in that respect, but um, the opportunity has always been very, very clear and it's been there and it's, do you want it? If not, then there's alternative routes we can go down. So I'm not really massively interested in the politics or competing for something um it's it's not that deep for me um <laughs> maybe it is for other people but uh i think if there's something that i know i can do and my manager or leader knows i can i can do it as well it's highly unlikely that they're having the same conversation with somebody else right um so and i i've, I've for the last you know my last four roles have been in startups where the need has been like quite high um and because everybody's got so much work they don't want to take on anything else right so they're like you can go for it if you want to do it great go for it um so yeah i've been i've been relatively lucky in that respect thank can you I, can i just add some general we know we know, that we know there's a trail of, of corporate corpses uh in, in ebony's wake <laughs> just, just a bit of general advice to to anybody that's listened to this part of the discussion and and thinks well actually yeah I, I i am ambitious and i would like to 
go ahead and take over other parts of our the organization or whatever um it, without 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 fail every single person that i see who goes from being say a ta manager to being in some job where they're looking after much bigger things or whatever they don't get there by being the best deepest expert on talent acquisition they get there because they can talk the language of their manager and their boss and the executive leadership team and they can link everything they're doing back to the CEO's top three goals, whatever that might be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think, I mean, generally, it's it's transferable skills, absolute tick, of course. But I think being able to, especially in, in startup environments, being able to, I saw a quote somewhere on LinkedIn, I forget who said it, but actually the highest, the best skill that you can have is being able to just get stuff done. Um, being able to problem solve, quick fixes, um, keep calm, care about the customer, um, which in this case is the employee, and just be able to get stuff done and, and get stuff ticked off and, and resolved. The other stuff will come, right? Um, that stuff is very, very difficult to teach, I think, you know, just in, in terms of traits. Do you know what? So, so yes, you go ahead. Just in, in this environment right now, if you're thinking about yourself moving into HR or taking on extra responsibilities, what Adam said is really important because a lot of people functions they are very focused on employee experience, which is cool. And we should do that definitely, but we can't forget that we're here to make the business successful. Mm -hmm. So when you see a mission statement that says, we're here to make the employees really, really happy, then that's not gonna work. It has to be like, we're here to help the business become successful by making the employees productive. And we do that by doing X, Y, and Z. And I think I've been in numerous conversations about this recently where, our TA function is very clear. We hire people with quality, speed, and diversity. And it was super clear that this was always going to contribute to our overall goals. And I think with some people functions, when there's that misclarity, you have an opportunity to go there and provide that clarity. And so um, being able to translate the, the company goals is very important. And this is why I, I said at the beginning before our guests came on that I really believe the biggest impact that we can have as people that have maybe we've all started in TA, one of the biggest impacts that we can have is, is informing the business what the structure of the organization needs to look like, not just based on like humans, but based on what jobs don't need to get done by humans anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's a really big one. And the whole aspect of talent intelligence and these types of things all need to feature in this. Where should we put our factory? Where should we, you know, um, where, where should we put that call center? And how long are we going to need that call center before technology is going to be able to? So it is a skill set that we have to, I think, um, probably go and some more than others, go and really understand um, around, around the impact of that. In fact, hung in the newsletter from last, from, from last week, is it called the Pew Institute or some, something? It was another, another one about the impact of jobs in the U.S. specifically from artificial intelligence. It's not just about AI, it's about robotics and, and automation and other things as well. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's a really important additional um, skill set and, and, and issue that we need to focus on. We're going to do that show, folks. We're going to do the AI audit show in terms of, you know, what what tasks, how do you actually sort of do an audit for what is the most exposed tasks within your organization uh, against automation so that that may be useful to develop a framework, loose framework that someone else can go and develop. So we're going to do that. If you're interested in it, let me know in the comments. If you have if you have the framework, let me know in the comments as well, because I don't know anybody's an expert there. So uh, I, I'd love to get some more thoughts around a conversation, how we build a framework like this so that we can go and do that future workforce planning uh, for that AI-assisted world uh, that I think would be a very powerful project to get involved with. Also, also, we should do a how-to-get-things-done type of show because Ebony and Yasa, you both mentioned it is a super important thing, just productivity's sake, but also in terms of expanding scope, of course, that may be the key thing um, because your CEO is going to say, what the hell has this guy done? You know, he or she's written some brilliant reports uh, speaks a good game, but I'm not seeing output. I'm not seeing you know anything that's affecting the business in a positive way. Guess what? You're not going to expand scope, bro. Um, do you know what I mean? So how do you actually get better at that? 
I don't know how to do that. I'd love to know. So uh, that's another thing we should do. Uh, folks, we always do this. Um, we're a bit late because uh, it's no longer the middle of the show. It's almost to the end of the show, but I want to make sure we do it before we finish. Um, we, this is a conversation. Uh, Breakthrough Live is a conversation starting show. It is never going to be a chokehold to stop a conversation. Um, you want to make sure you want to talk to other people that want to expand scope in TA. Um, so make sure you use this opportunity to do so. Grab your LinkedIn URL, share it in the chat stream if you're watching this on Crowdcast. If you're watching this on LinkedIn, any of the LinkedIn's out there or on Facebook or Twitter or whatnot, do the same thing. Share your LinkedIn profile URL into the comment thread there and then just add anybody else, connect with them um, that you see. Um, every week we get 20, 30, 40 people um, uh, that basically boost their connections by that number every week. I think some people just turn up purely for that. Candy delicious. Feel free to check out my educational background. Yeah, the, the, some people I'm sure just got this entire show on mute. They're just waiting for this thing, um, so they can go and connect with people. That's totally fine. Empower your network. Make sure that is like you, you, the network is as strong as it can possibly get. Uh, it gives you the crowd intelligence, the swarm intelligence, should I say, uh, to really help you out when you need it. Um, okay. Let's move on towards um, sort of uh, how, you know, we we kind of measure success on this. Uh, so you've inherited a new department. Firstly, how do you know it's working or not? I mean, uh, we've already said, you know, you're not an expert. You have no clue particularly about this domain, maybe adjacent. You've got some idea. How do you know it's actually working well or not? How, how are you going to make that go better? Like, what is the technique behind that? Any thoughts on this? Um, yes, I'll, I'll go, with you, go with you first. For both my new functions, Club Mobility and Rewards, we set milestones. So OKRs in our world, those milestones were very clear. So we had MPS scores that we would measure from employees, from their experience. Are we getting better? And then we had um, transformation projects that needed to be completed. So moving from emails to a ticket system or moving from a vendor provided to a center of excellence that's in-house. So that transformation needs to be done and achieved by a certain date. So for us, we're, that, that's our measurement. So we've got the one measurement that's on a delivery item and the one measurement on actual MPS scores, which is really helpful because our MPS scores have been improving. And when they dipped, we knew why they dipped because we saw, oh, actually, our response rate or response time or quality of response was lower. When it comes to the more technical aspects, it's all about the project-based delivery. So are we delivering X by X day? Yep. And this pertains to, obviously, existing functions and stuff, doesn't it? So, Ebony, yeah. go to you with that. Probably quite a similar, I guess. What's your thoughts on how to manage uh, a, a team or department where it wasn't your domain and you've got to kind of judge whether they're good enough. I mean, how do you do that? I mean, due diligence in the first instance, I, I think I spent probably the first month just listening um, and meeting everybody in the team, finding out what they were doing, um, you know, sort of ass assessing their skill sets, their strengths and understanding what they would change if, if they could. Um, that's kind of where I started, first of all. I mean, we didn't have even like a Jira ticketing system for all our, our um, requests that were coming in. And that was one of the first things that I implemented very, very quickly. Um, because actually, if you looked at the engagement scores, which is also another thing that I used, um, it was very, very telling that, you know, all of these requests that were coming in were causing people to be anxious, let's say. Um, so systems, people, um, engagement process, uh, finding out what we could do better, I'm not even going to say like OKRs because we were so far from being able to to set those up. Um, just getting the fundamentals right and making sure that the people were happy and um, making sure that they were delivering as well. And even if they weren't, finding out why and seeing if we can turn that around, I think was the most important things for the first, I would say, two to three months. Um, then, yes, the fundamentals, putting in a Jira ticketing system, building dashboards and, and going from there and then eventually creating SLL, SLAs. That's where we're at at the moment. The next thing is KPIs. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> I mean, just to reiterate, I think everyone might just get a, an intuition on this, but uh, intuition arrived late to me. So I just want to uh, articulate this. But it's an ongoing affair, isn't it? It's not one of these, oh, here it is, it's done. Um, it's kind of, you, you, are, you are yourself iterating in your relationship with that department 
and then trying to constantly improve on it. Um, Christine, go to you on this because obviously it's a slightly different situation. Yeah. You're still hands-on in a lot of this stuff. You mentioned earlier on you haven't had time to put the number, the, the metrics in because it's like too early for it. Um, have you sort of had people come to you with this to say, okay, how we're we doing in this department? And then yeah. you know, what do you say and what's your plan on, 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 uh, on delivering an answer to them? Yeah, of course. And I think that's the beauty of the blank canvas, right? Like, again, quite similar to what Ebony said, I also kind of had a chat with the team and figured, you know, I knew what needed to be done, but you kind of need to get buy-in and make sure everyone's on board, right? Um, but obviously getting the ATS in place and whatnot first. Um, of course, coming from TA first, I had my cost. <laughs> like I had all my sources from all the hires I made since I joined and how much it, um, like agency costs or LinkedIn costs, whatever it is. Um, so ironically, actually, my CFO came to me this week, two years later, I've joined and said, hey, Christine, are you actually keeping track of anything i'm like funny you say that i have a list um so i literally just shared it with him two days ago he said thanks this is really helpful let's use this moving forward um so i think pure ta does kind of teach you to start you know looking at things like cost per hire and metrics now on the people side and i think that's what i was referring to you know i'm, I'm taking notes as yes is speaking but i'm very much aware you know there's so many tools out there office vibe etc culture amp um and I wasn't able to get the team on board yet to implement a tool like this, maybe because we're still quite small. They expect me to go speak to everybody um, and get an understanding of where they stand. So my argument is, is, yeah, you know, I can speak to them, but they're not going to be honest with me. That needs to be anonymized. Again, you know, this is just based on um, feedback, um, research, and also speaking to, to other um, people within the industry. So I'm still trying to get them on board on my journey. Um, and I think whilst that's happening in the background, um, I've just used a simple Google form um, and just said on our Friday meetings, look, if anything comes up between now and then, your feedback from management, feedback on anything, feedback about our labs, just put it in this Google form. So hoping that you just start with something small, it will show us some sort of data and then we can get buy-in from leadership. I think that's the only way um, at the moment without getting too much investment um, that I can be able to validate what I need to do. Um, and and yeah, and until that's until I get some data and I can't exactly say what we've done on the more HR and measuring like employee measurement side. No, you, uh, Christine, you just said uh, uh, exactly the line. You've got to almost ev evidentialize. Is that even mm -hmm. a word? Let's in, let's invent it right now. Um, you've got to ev evidentialize what's going Evident, on. Right? Evidence. Yeah. Evidence. Evidence. That what, that's, how is that better? Yeah. Um, because that's an actual word. That's why. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm coining it today. Uh, right. The point is, we have to get away from just being able to, to just operate on that intuition basis, um, because I think the leadership probably already has the intuition, um, but something stopping them from going forward with decisive measures without the evidence. Um, and it's your job basically to uh, evidence that or evidentialize that whole which way you want to put it. Um, okay, cool. Let's move on to the final kind of question to the crew here. Um, there may be TA people in the crowd. Uh, in fact, I guess they are because they wouldn't have registered for this without thinking about it. Um, uh, that they also want to expand scope. They're currently in narrow frame. They're currently saying, okay, my job is external facing, hiring external full-time employees. I want to do a little bit more. How, how would you advise them to go about that? Uh, where there isn't an obvious circumstance where they inherit it. Um, is there a way in which they could agitate for it? You know, <laughs> demand it like what is the approach how would you suggest they best position themselves to go to ta plus uh, yes i go to you first they need to define clear objectives which is another word for saying they another way of saying they need a plan uh clear objectives for me personally was i want to get closer to global mobility and compensation so i can ensure a streamlined process and so that global mobility processes are quicker and more aligned to the whole higher piece up until they start on day one was more combined and that allowed me to steer my conversation with a you know a clear objective for the business they were like okay that makes sense he wants to improve the overall process not just hiring but bringing them on the whole process so yeah right so quickly to summarize uh, hope is not a plan folks you need to actually have a defined objective in your own mind you know just an understanding where you want to go how you think this is uh, going to be more optimal for the business. And I think once you have it kind of fixed in your own own, own thoughts, then you can orientate your own behaviors uh, towards getting that, uh, uh, delivering that goal. Um, okay, I go to you, Christine. How does someone actually go for this? 
yeah, I was just kind of thinking, you know, if you're in a startup, I think that's definitely more opportunities to do that. But if you're not um, reflecting on my role at the FT, you know, the re reality is day-to-day -day recruitment, there's always something, right? And, and that's blocking um, your hiring pipeline, whether it's, you know, hiring manager that needs uh, additional training or, you know, maybe on the DNI side, there's some additional work that needs to be done there. I think there's always little bits in the process that could do with that that could be improved. So, if you're able to kind of volunteer yourself to your manager, etc., and say, "Look, there's something here that's blocking us. It is, you know, hiring manager inefficiency." You can then maybe suggest to do some hiring manager training there. That's when you venture into things like coaching and L&D, right? So, really identifying what the problems are. So that's natural progression to be able to unblock that, and you can learn something new. So that's my yeah. tip. Right. So in other words, there's a problem. You don't, don't just BS, bitch about the problem, but actually yeah. come up with a solution. And oftentimes that solution may involve you getting outside of that narrow TA frame and getting involved in other stuff. So uh, have an opportunistic attitude to problems. Uh, Ebony, final word to you. How would you advise a young person who's thinking, yeah, I'd love to be TA plus? Yeah, I think um, just what Yasir mentioned, which is making sure you've got a personal development plan. Even if it's sort of bare bones, make sure there is something there so that you can measure your own success. But <clears throat> I think from a TA perspective, if you're just doing sort of the bare minimum of sort of what a recruiter does in terms of like, you know, you do the full 360, but you're not involved in workforce planning. You know, you're not make, asking the questions to the business partners or talent development or the org leaders in regards to why the requisitions opened up and, you know, working with them to figure out if the role makes sense, um, if there's anyone internally that can be promoted before you go to market. I think these are some of the questions that are a bit more consultative, um, but also get you working with a little bit more closely some of the other verticals within people teams um i think working with business partners working with finance working with um you know um even op people operations understanding who you're handing the baton over to after the talent part of the process that the talent acquisition part of the process is done is also very important um, and then there's also obviously you you know if you find a problem and it's not necessarily within the ta scope um, there's the blurred line, work cross-functionally with, with another team um, who should be involved, for instance, people operations or business partners, and get a project going, right? And it's a good way to dip your toe in the water, figure out actually is this for me, maybe it's not, and maybe you want to go in a different direction after you finalise that project, but actually just putting yourself out there and um, helping fix some of the issues whilst working cross-functionally, best way you're going to get the experience, but also it's, it's the best way for you to understand whether or not you're going to enjoy doing that, that role moving forward. Absolutely. So in other words, don't be hostile to all of these, ex what you think are external things. They're actually opportunities or pathways for you to yeah. learn um, and, and, and potentially advance your career uh, going forward. Um, okay, fantastic. Guys, this has been a really great conversation. I think you can continue going for further, but however, it is three o'clock already, so we have to close it off today um thank you so much for joining us guys um we're going to say goodbye to you now um great to see you yasa we're going to catch up soon i hope uh great to see you christine as well we'll definitely catch up soon i believe um uh, we're going to see goodbye to you ebony one of these days we're going to catch up we're going to go out in in barcelona it's happening next year okay um uh, see you later guys have a very good weekend thank you so much for the chat thanks folks have a good one thank you bye That was great, huh? I, I really enjoyed that conversation. And by the way, Carrie Liebentritt, thank you so much for your post. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, uh, so folks, that's about it for today. Uh, thanks for watching. We're back next week. We're going to be talking about how do you get a uh, sort of budget for your, how do you argue for budget in a recession? Uh, folks, we're not in a recession technically, but it feels like one, doesn't it? Um, no one seems to be having budget. We're going to uh, speak to people who basically think they've got a way to justify getting some money in tough environments. So make sure you sign up to uh, Brain Food Live on air next week. Uh, we're going to be talking to Nick Thompson at IBM and Ariel Kilroy at Dado. They're going to help us think through this. Um, and make sure you follow the channel, by the way, if you like this type of conversation. Uh, okay, that's about it. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. Cool. That was a good, 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 good show. Great guests. Good, important topic. And everybody needs to know about this topic. Yep.
I think so. And I think the great examples as well mm-hmm. from all, all of those three at different stages. One thing we're missing is probably the enterprise side. So I think we could probably replay that show with uh, three enterprise get three guests from enterprise. Let's say let's get someone from banking, for instance, or you know someone in government, um, and and then have that dialogue. Um, I think there'll be similarities, but probably reasonable differences as well in the sense of you're probably going to have to be inheriting a lot more. Um, it's going to be less about you know getting involved straight away. Um, there's there's going to be that inheritance factor. I think might be might be worth discussing, but. Uh, who knows? Um, that's a, a thought thought bubble for another time. Well, it is. Anyway, I was just thinking there, like, I mean, HelloFresh is probably an enterprise size level organization, but fast, 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 yeah, ex- exactly. That's the thing that is the, the thing is startup culture, I would imagine, still, which means lots of moving parts and uh, a, a lot more moving parts, a, a lot more fluidity than. JP Morgan. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I think Instart, one of the advantages is that you do get exposed to these opportunities. Um, so, so, so I think you can accelerate, which is part of the reason why I was very attracted to, to do TA and HR uh, in those spaces. But what does it look like if, you know, you started off in JP Morgan or something, or you started off at the HMRC or whatnot? Like, is it even possible to do that and climb through? Probably a lot more difficult. I, I well... Um, and, and Andy came on and told us it was at HMRC, remember? Yeah, he had it. Uh, it might be time to get him back on, actually. It'd be quite cool uh, to investigate. Um, I think it would be more, obviously more fixed. There's probably more formal processes. I think it'd be a lot slower. It, it, may, not, it may not be exactly as, 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 uh, as we've described right here. It might be you've got to break into a smaller organization. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, what you got planned this weekend, mate? Anything interesting? Um going to take my kids to go and watch Rangers tomorrow. That's not interesting, mate. Going to go and buy some school uniform. Oh. And a new, and a new Fitbit. All right. Cool. What You've about, worn out your Fitbit, have you? Uh, well, no, I got, a Google, I got a Google Pixel Fitbit, and it was useless. Um, too many features on it I never used. Just drained the battery. It needed to charge twice a day. And um, eventually it stopped charging at all. And the... Um, what do you call it? Um, the uh, I was wearing it basically as a bracelet for about the last six months because I haven't had the time to go and actually change yeah. it. And uh, then the face actually came off. So right. I haven't totally got anything useless. on now. Yeah, totally yeah, yeah. useless. Yeah. What anyway, um, what am I doing? I'm going to do nothing. I mean, basically, there's, uh, there's, there's friends that want to want to catch up with me, but I'm I'm too knackered and I've got work to do. So um, you yeah, need I've, to, I've, you need to sleep. I do. I need to sleep, but I've I've got to pound through because I've def I'm definitely going to Wreckfest now. Um, so I've booked my ticket. Um, and I realise I've got to do a talk. I've got to do all kinds of crazy crap. So yeah, shit to do, man. Busy, busy. Okay. All right. Listen. Enjoy. Let you go. Yeah. Cheers. See ya.